Hi there guys, welcome to Grupo Senzala's podcast. I'm your host, Mestre Pedro. This is our episode number 26. Today I share with you a conversation that I did early this year with a good friend of mine, Mestre Ferradura. Mestre Ferradura, for those who don't know, is uh, a capoeirista that has been doing a beautiful work over the last, I would say, 20 odd years with, with children, you know, in different, you know, from nursery age. And uh, he also has created his own method of teaching. He's been using the social media to, uh, you know, to reach out to new, new capoeiristas and offering online courses. And it's been a, a great success. So, you know, if you are into capoeira, if you are into, you know, starting a community or you already started and you're teaching kids or you're thinking about teaching kids, Mesh Ferradura is definitely someone that you should uh, pay very close attention to. So that's it, guys. Let me know your thoughts in the comments, share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. I share. Hello there, guys. Today I have an old friend of mine back from the real days. Mestre Ferradura. Mestre Ferradura, thanks very much for being here with us today. And uh, I, I wanted to use this, this opportunity to, to have in English a little, a little uh, bio about you, you know. Uh, of course, we know each other since back in the day, but I think it would be of a good, uh, a good document you know, a, a little bit of your journey in one place. I don't know if you have done this type of interview before, but uh, I would like you to start with your, your how did you start in Capoeira and uh, yeah, wh what have you been doing along those years? Who did you start with? So, Pedro, thank you very much for inviting me. It's a big pleasure to be here with you and your students, your audience. Um, I'm very pleased that at least we have something to do and not be just crying over the quarantine. It's yes. really good that we are being able to share with the community a bit of information, a bit of knowledge, a bit of love. And I'm, um, I would start saying that when I was a teenager, I didn't really know what to do in life. I was a bit lost. And then when I eventually found Capoeira in my life, it was a big epiphany. I had a vision. On the first day when I entered uh, the academy, when I started training, I had a vision of, okay, I know what I'm going to do in life from then on. And it was in Senzala, in Mesh Peixinhos, Mesh Peixinhos Academy in Copacabana. And at the time, my master, my home, was beginning to teach in the mornings, which was perfect for me because I was studying in the morning, in, uh, in the afternoons. So I would go train, go to school, and then come back to train with the other masters from Sanzala. They had a, a sort of community in that place. And if you were a student of one person, you could train with everyone. It, wasn't, it was like an unwritten rule. Nobody said you can train with everyone, but that's how it happened. So I, I would train with Mesh Marron in the mornings, then I would come back, train with Mesh Peixinho. Mesh Peixinho gave two classes, and then uh, Mesh de Ramos gave a class, so I would train with Mesh de Ramos as well. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 
I'll drop by Master Beto's, who is teaching in, a, in another place. And that's my, that was my beginning in, a, yeah. in Senzala. And then later on, when my home moved to Capoeira Angola, it just followed. So we, we were together during this movement of changing, which yeah. at the moment, he, he didn't know it was going to be Capoeira Angola. Yeah. Well, he just was changing the way he, he saw Capoeira, the way he believed Capoeira yes. should be for him and his students. So I followed uh, with him. That was about 92, 93, right? Yeah, around that yeah. time. Yeah, because I remember that was the time that I also started like, training more. And I was uh, at university, I passed for the second semester. And I used to do the, some mornings at, at my home. And then in the afternoon, in the evenings, there would be the training at the Parque Lage, which eventually, guys, also made the, the journey there. Exactly. And when, so you, you, it's quite amazing. The first day that you walk in, in the academy, you knew that... that yeah, it just it dawned on me. It dawned on me immediately. I just walked in and I saw all those people. Imagine, like, uh, I'm an urban teenager who is not immersed in any kind of specific culture. And when I get to, to that place, I see the biggest diversity ever in my life in the, in the same place. So there were black people, white people, uh, people from the Northeast of Brazil, older people, women, children, everybody training together. And there was nothing about clothes. Uh, at that time, it hadn't been unified yet. That, um, yeah. All the badges, symbols, uniform, yeah, yeah. style yeah. of like how to dress and how to behave, how to play. All these rules didn't exist yet. It was, it was yes. very chaotic and yeah. very anarchic. And that blew my mind. I went crazy. Like there were people with shirts, people without shirts, people with shoes, people without shoes, different colors, different uh, clothes, and nothing mattered but capoeira. So there were like, rich people who nobody gave a damn about them being rich. Yeah. And, and there were like people who were economically not so well, so well off, but were the best players and they were the most valued in that place that they could sing well. Imagine that at that time, uh, the young guys, like Mashti Hum, which was still young, Mashti Mahom, yeah. Mashti Fijon, all these guys, they were working. Uh, yeah. Mashti Hum was a security guard. And yeah. Mashti Fijon was a, a street seller. And Mashti Mahom was working already just with Capoeira, but he lived with, with six guys. In a small yeah, before you have even had dreadlocks together, so yeah, 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 much before. And even like there would be people like your father who, who had their living of other things, was yes. who were working with something else, and so they were making money with something else, not with capoeira. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like uh, very unlikely that someone could make money with capoeira at that time. And that was, for me, was very attractive. The idea that what matters, mattered in that place wasn't uh, money and consuming and capitalistic values. So it's, it's for a teenager that really built my character. I said, okay, from now on, that's what I'm gonna dedicate my life to.
It's good. And how did that transition, uh, you know, something that you start falling in love and you're training, you, you know, dedicating all you can think about was that? And how did that transition to it gradually becoming your, your livelihood? Well, uh, oh, in 93, I went to, to England. Uh, I lived in England for a year and I met your father. And uh, we went together to, I think it was Newcastle or Leeds, somewhere, okay. or Liverpool, somewhere in the north where there was a, a martial arts. Do you know where, where it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I had forgot. I think we have some pictures. I'm going to ask my mom for the, the, the pictures because I remember yeah, that you were in one of those. There was the Budosai. I don't know if it was Budosai, but in the north near Newcastle, there was always something related to the martial arts that happened. Exactly. Exactly. So we went together uh, and there your father said, came to me and said, uh, you're going to start teaching. And that was the first time someone said, you're going to start teaching. And I was like, oh, first time you thought. Wow. I, I didn't teach at that moment, but it was the, the first time someone said, you're going to teach. And I was like, oh, okay. And uh, I remember having like this, this funny argument with him that I said, look, uh, I need to talk to, to my teacher. Mahon wasn't even a master yet. I said, I need to yeah, talk yeah. to how to talk to my teacher. In my mind, it was like the hierarchy. And Gato said, do you think uh, uh, Mahon, like Mahon is more important than me in Zanzala? I'm the big guy in Zanzala. When he arrived in Zanzala, I was already there. If I'm telling okay. you to do it, you do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, master. It's like, oh, do you think the sergeant is gonna talk to, to you if I'm the colonel? Yeah. Uh, it was funny. But anyway, it, uh, I, I got friends with, with the Gatos group in um, both in London and South End in um, Harlow. In Harlow. Yeah. And, and then I started giving lessons here and there. But also, I didn't make any money at that time. I mean, nobody made money at that time with Capoeira, even in England, including your father, nobody made money. Yeah. Uh, there was like about, I don't know, maybe 20 to 40 Capoeira players in the whole of the UK. Yeah. And I guess about six or seven professionals. So there was like very little. Very little. And... But then when I came back to Brazil, the, a new market was beginning to open, which was the market in, uh, with the schools. And as my home was uh, teaching in school since 1988, he uh, already had um, a group of children, a sort of, of uh, methodology. And uh, there was Mesh Tony Vargas, who was also in Sanzala, who had uh, a lot of experience with children. And then, uh, it just happened that like a few schools started to open themselves for capoeira and I just got into it like almost by chance. And then after I started teaching and having quite a few students and quite a few schools, I realized that uh, I could make a living off capoeira. At that time, during this transition, um, I don't know if you remember that like every day when I got to, to Parquelage, I, I would have like a, a cord and I had like a big bag and I would put like trousers and t-shirts 
Like I made yeah. t-shirts and I sold capoeira t-shirts. I made trousers. I sold capoeira trousers. I had like beer mouth cases. I sold capoeira cases. So I was already making a living off capoeira, but it was about selling, selling stuff. I would go to batizados and events and academies and sell stuff and pay my expenses with that, which was like very low. Yeah, that yeah. was the, the, the way. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I remember those days we could do. Also, I used to make billion balls, and I used. To, I think once I went with Dorado on the car, and you could trade at those days for our old uh, malha, you know, like a colored capoeira trousers. I I traded on fourteen biribas, you know, just without the bark. So these these were, were good times you could start, but. Uh, so you started already on the, when you talk to school, you talk like about young kids or like when, when did you move into the nursery, like toddlers and... Since the beginning, me since, since the beginning. Yeah, it was, uh, that was like the, the new challenge for my generation because people like uh, the masters before, then we're going to see Mestre Tony Vargas, the, the, the ones that I referred before. And also Mestre Garrincha, Mestre Claudio Chaminé, and a few others. They were already teaching, but mostly kids five up. So yeah. almost nobody was teaching four-year-olds, three-year-olds, and no one was teaching one-year-olds. Wow. And then when I got into nursery schools, I started getting toddlers. It was a new challenge because there was no methodology for it. And some of the games that I saw other people using, they couldn't be applied. Yes, yes. It was too hard for the kids. The, the rules were too hard. And the, the cognitive system of the children yeah. weren't ready to, to learn those skills. So I, I needed to adapt, to adjust, invent a lot of stuff, err a lot. So I made thousands of mistakes. Yeah. To, to realize what could be done, what could be done, and to understand the difference between the ages. Like, okay, it's like, it's like one to six, but it's not one to six. Like, four to six is one yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, and three to five, it's another thing. Two-year-olds are very specific. One-year-olds are very specific. And it, it, between each age, people are also different. So uh, yeah. I needed to study by myself. Baby. Sorry. Come again? I'm saying like in, in the, you can have a five, six-year-olds and they all will have a big range in, in coordination, in focus, in, in what they can do and stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So I had a, a, um, to study a lot by myself and there was no internet at the time. So mainly what I did, what I did was going to the, to the library at the schools and picking up books about psychology, child development, and starting to understand education, pedagogics. And as I was reading books uh, and learning, so I started to develop a method, a methodology for capoeiristas, like to teach capoeira, how we can adapt those principles. So now we are talking about free education, creativity, cooperation, natural movement, and then start to get these, uh, these principles and adapt them to capoeira. That okay, 
and then build sequences of games. What, what has to come first, what has to come second? What does a child need to master to be able to go to the next level? How can we measure it? How can we know that the, the knowledge is, is effectively being and constructed by this child? What's my view as a teacher? How do I see myself as the teacher? How do I react to, to discipline? How do I react to, to the in, like, many variables that exist during, during a class, including my own education and reflect a lot about my edu education? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. How was I brought up? What are my values? Are, I, are they right? Are all the things that I believe about education based just on, on, uh, on how I was raised? In, and the way I was raised, was it the, the way I believe I should teach other children? Uh, we remember that we live in a very, um, a very repressive, authoritarian society in, yes. in Brazil. Yeah. So we, we it's very much, uh, um, if we look at education, the way people see education in Brazil is very violent, very, very violent. Things that are, are like common sense and allowed here uh, wouldn't be accepted in, in most places in Europe. And the, if we are brought up that way, we tend to teach the same way because we believe in those values. Yeah. And that made me really like organize myself and say, okay, I need to study more. Yeah, that's always a, 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 the best step to look gather information and try to come up with a plan and if that doesn't work come out with another one and so on and so forth but i think one of the, the aims here is also to like if you're talking to a non-capoeirista public right how why capoeira is such a, a a good activity for children of different age groups well if, if we look about the potentials that capoeira develops, we're going to see that we, we have a, a tool for developing musical skills, social skills, cultural skills, physical skills, and we can do it like through fun activities. We can speak to, to the children's hearts. This way they, they connect to capoeira very easily. And we help them engage in those values and slowly they start not because we want them to do it, but because they want to do it. Do with capoeira. We create a rich environment. We give stimuli. And, and the children themselves, they build their knowledge. They build the way they, they are gonna um, play, interact with each other. So that it's not uh, necessarily related to Brazil. It's more about um, archetypical needs of every human being, of every culture. Everybody needs to connect. Capoeira connects. Everybody needs to be producer of his own art and not just a consumer. And we, we in Capoeira, we produce art. We produce music. We sing. They develop uh, notion, artistic notions that are not easily taught otherwise. Also, you have the, the, the cultural aspects of capoeira. And then we're talking about both 
the Brazilian cultural aspects, uh, the African Brazilian um, cultural aspects, and also about the, the, the idea that capoeira is a huge culture around the world. So people are like, you're a part of a big community if you're a part of capoeira. That we can talk about different masters, people who, who were in the past, people in the present, the children themselves in the future. So it's like it's a, it's a historical link. They live in a historical link as well. They cooperate where they're doing capoeira and we live in a society where competitivity, competitivity is very um, is encouraged. It's encouraged yeah. all the time by the system. And we're talking about a cooperative art. Cooperative, we work yeah. a lot on creativity. And creativity, it's, it's, um, it's a skill. It's a, a 21st century skill, essential skill yeah. for, for everyone to be able to interact in life. I'm not even mentioning uh, um, gains for the future in terms of uh, how you're going to behave in your job, behave in, a, in the market. I'm talking about how you're going to behave with your partner, how you're going to behave your, with your loved ones. Yeah. Uh, so cooperation, it's more than ever needed in the world. And we're talking about using your body in, in, a, in an era that people are sedentary. Everybody's sitting down, just watching TV, just like kids now, they, they stay the whole day long after like they're yeah. six, seven, whole day long playing games. It's really hard to, to attract them to any physical activity. Uh, sports are usually meant for very disciplined, very talented, gifted people, while capoeira is open for everybody. So yeah. we have uh, many advantages when we, we offer capoeira to a child. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point you made there because the, the thing with the electronic games and the, the effect it has. I mean, when we were kids, there were some video games at the time, but I, I believe it's funny because the year that I arrived in the UK, that was 2000, was the same year that the, the portable PlayStation, you know, came out. And since I, it might be, it's just from my perspective, but I feel that as the years have passed, generally speaking, it was harder and harder to get people to move, to become more active, you know, and, and uh, just, just from seeing, like I was dealing a lot with university students in, in, in Edinburgh in the beginning, and to see the difference of how people were prone to try something new and how this is gradually becoming less and less. And I thought it was, um, it's just me, maybe, you know, there's always more Kapura teachers coming, so maybe there is less students per teacher and so on and so forth. But I asked a student of mine, Hukin, uh, who is a dancer, who teaches dance, and, and she said more or less the same thing, that it's, it's so hard to build this, this idea that, look, sweat in the class is normal, you know, and you're talking about people doing a university of dance, and, and they are, and, and uh, surely this, the, the video game, the sedentary lifestyle plays a massive role each, each time more. But uh, yeah, People so don't want to sweat, man. If you look at the, even the gyms all around the world, like I was in, a, in, a, in an American gym last year. I uh, went to give a workshop there, so I went like, working out in a gym. They are freaking cold. They are freaking cold. It's like it's uh, fucking Alaska. You go inside the gym, it's 
freezing and people are wearing coats. It's like, why do you have to turn your, your air conditioning on? Yeah. Yeah. So stronger. It's already not hot outside. It's it's cold outside, and then you go inside. People don't want to sweat. Don't want to go. They don't want to sweat. It's true. Some of the kids that I teach, they freak out. Look, but I'm sweating. I said, look, this is good. You know, it's really good that you're sweating. And and so, what's the earliest you can take a, a, a class for a capoeira shooter? What's the earliest age? The youngest age? I started with one, like one year old. So as soon as they start walking and they can march, they can uh, walk properly, I start teaching them. Because if you think about child development uh, and intra-womb uh, intra life, so you have um, the child moving inside an aquatic um, environment. And then they're like squeezing and they're pulling and they're pushing and they're kicking. And they're already moving inside. Uh, as yeah. soon as they come out, they're all the time expanding and contracting, expanding and contracting. About six months, they are already beginning to crawl. They're like rolling from one side, rolling to the other side. And then afterwards, they start crawling from like six months to one year. They're crawling on the, on the walls. They're crawling on, on, um, on the... Um, chairs they're moving all around at about one year old they they start walking they start marching properly speaking and after a while they would squat like in in order actually in order to be able to walk usually they squat so after that they walk in all fours uh they crawl then they walk in all fours then they squat they then they're gonna stand up and work in the balance and then move and explore the world, and uh, then start jumping around and using the bodies to discover the world. And uh, as we spoke before, when they get to six, seven, eight, they start being very sedentary because when the limbs start to grow and it's not so comfortable to be in your body, so like they start getting like really, really, really tall in a in a, and that gets much worse when they're teenagers. Yes, it's not yeah. so comfortable to be in your own body anymore. When, when you're four years old or five years old, you, you are at your peak of, of, uh, um, of comfort. You can do yeah. everything. You put your hands on the floor and you throw your legs up. You go, woo, happy day. Yeah. You uh, jump off the steps. Yeah. It's very proportional. It's like the whole body is very proportional. And so what we do with these kids when you get them young, it's like uh, early interventions. We start to, to encourage them to keep on doing that natural movement, keep on uh, pushing, pulling, crawling, walking on all fours, squatting, running, getting unbalanced, like working on their balance, um, being able to uh, relate with, with their bodies in the same way they did when they were one day to one year so like the, the moment they were born to one year old like how much movement did they do like the whole day long they did a lot of movement so let's keep on doing it culture tends to get kids uh still after they are one so like everybody wants their child to walk yes but like they stop crazy. walking they want to 
When they start walking, it's like, oh, stop, stop. Don't <laughs> run, don't go there, don't go up, don't go there. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing with talking. Everyone wants their kids to talk. And they, they encourage them all the time, like with music, and they speak to the kids. And then they like read a thousand methods to make the child speak earlier. And yeah, then the kids start talk. speaking. And they're like, oh, please stop. Right. Why do you want to do it? There was actually a video about this. My quarantine was like speaking to three, this three-year-old that trying to explain something. And the guy is doing lots of different duties throughout the day and the kid is saying the same thing. But yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely, it's definitely a, a trip on this. Uh, to think from that perspective, uh, very interesting. And when, when would you say that the child gets... Because, for example, I, I, I teach kids, and sometimes I teach kids in a very specific environment, right? It's like a room. There's only me and the kids. Sometimes the parents sitting down watching, whatever. But when comes the time for like a, something with more kids or more adults, and that becomes like, you know, uh, I've noticed that, that the way I built this... Uh, the environment make it really proper. Because when it comes to a big day, the kid does not want to go and play, or even play in the hall that he's used sometimes to one beating bow and one instrument and winning. How how do you build up that? I mean, from what age do you get the kids to go into a, a, a bigger hall, or you feel that the kid is confident enough to go into a hall with many people? Sometimes people they don't he doesn't know and stuff. Well, um, I think mostly about what is good for me as a teacher, as um, and also as 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 um, as someone who is giving some a product in a sense, or like offering a product to the parents, and uh, they're paying or the school is paying, and they want results, and that's something. We always need to take into consideration. We need to make uh, presentations for the parents and so on. But more than all, I think about the kids. So it's not, it, I, I, my needs cannot top the needs of the children. Their needs needs to be first. So what I do is like I choose where I teach and, and I choose the way I interact with the parents and the and the. And the um, teachers and the heads of the school. So I myself in presentation, I don't do big days. You refer to big days. I don't do big days. I have a, a, an open class. I, I call all the parents. Let's say every, uh, what I do is like every couple of months, I have a project uh, with the ch children. So let's say like my current project would be animals. And we're going to work with the crab, the frog, the lion, the stingray, and so on. We're going to work with all the animals. And we're going to play with the animals. They're going to like, draw something with the animals. They're going to put masks with the animals. Thousands of things with animals. And they're going to learn a few songs about the animals too. After a couple of months, when I close the project, I call all the parents. And I do exactly what I did in class with the children. So if they learned five songs and they learned five movements, that's what they're going to show. I'm going to start with a song and the kids are going to do that movement. And then we're going to do, we're going to play a game. Uh, so let's say it's the game of the frog. We're going to play the game of the frog. So the child is going to play for fun 
and not to please the teacher or the parents or the school. Uh, and that's like if you get people like uh, Peter Slade, like the, the drama teacher, he speaks a lot about the, um, the need of drama instead of, of a rehearsed theater. So children should, should be more encouraged to improvise all the time, interact. And if parents are there to see, they can't see, but they're just watching. The parents are just watching. The kids are not presenting something for the parents. They are having fun. The children are having fun for themselves. And the parents love it. What happens in the end is that I get much better results than when I used to rehearse the kids and, and think about doing something amazing and be telling the kids, you need to do this, you need to do that, come on. I say, oh, let's do oh, squat, jump, do this, yeah. do that. Oh, like, please, please, child, don't say that you don't want to do it. Nowadays, uh, I also tell the, the parents in the beginning, say, look, if, uh, if your child doesn't want to participate, don't force her. It's okay. Just stay here. Just tell them, look, I want to watch. I want, it's not you have to watch. I want to watch. I want to watch the, the, what's going on. And then have your child there. And if you really want your child to participate, take part yourself. Come in and come play with us. If you start jumping like a frog, if you start doing like a crab, walking like a lion, it's very likely that your child is going to come. Yeah, so you, you give them the tools so they can create on top of the, those tools instead of having to follow a, a rehearsed pattern, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, so the, the idea, there is no big day for me. Every day is a big day. So if parents come, if they don't come, if it's a presentation, if it's an open holder, like the yeah. kids, they, they, they must feel free. We should take pressure off their shoulders. Because it's not about yeah. them. Of when you, you, do, you do something that you want the kids to, to play in the hood and feel comfortable with other people, you, we are not thinking about them. We're thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about, okay, I have 10 kids. The 10 have to do movements. The 10 have to come in the hood and show everything they did so the parents will be happy and, and I'll show results. And I'm not worried about those results. I'm worried about the process. So even when right. the parent comes... I say, oh, but my child didn't do as well as, as uh, that other guy. I'm like, okay, but look, so-and-so started from another point. Let me, let me show you the improvements that your child had. Yeah. And I started speaking to them. So remember in the beginning how your child behaved. Look, and look how much he improved. And then like, sometimes it's just uh, social skills. Your child yeah. didn't even, even take part in the class in the beginning and not his playing. It's, it's not even about capoeira. He doesn't even, maybe the kid doesn't really like capoeira. Yeah, yeah. Not about capoeira, but he likes me and he likes his friends and he likes being together. He doesn't yeah. like sweating sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And so now, for example, we are all under the quarantine, right? And I saw that you have been doing some, some talks online on Instagram with, with uh, the people who follow you. But have you engaged in anything like uh, teaching some of your kids that you might have regularly? Are you doing something for the kids through the online or, or not really? Every day. Every day Every you're day. doing with your kids. I have my, in my channel, my YouTube channel, uh, 
if you guys want to go there, it's Ferradura Capoeira. And there's a playlist that's like Capoeira for ch crazy children who are driving their, their, their parents crazy at home. <laughs> and are so you do enclosed. like you record, you record something and then you post or you do it live? Uh, let me get something here to say, give an idea. I put it on YouTube. Uh, what I do is like, I, I imagine that I'm interacting with a child, like with the children. So I'm actually teaching them the same way I teach them at school. But let's say like there's a, a video that just came out yesterday. I, I, I posted a video. So let's say on this one, uh, it's not just me. There is me, there's my team, there's uh, uh, all the teachers. We, everyone does one activity for the children and put them together. So right. let's say here. So I'm speaking to the kids. I want to go to the street. No, you can't go to the street. Nice. And this is for four-year-olds? That's uh, like for one to six. One to six. Then on. So like, I'm teaching them online, and the, the kids are doing it at home. And I put it on YouTube, and then the kids can can uh, do it at home. And the parents record it, and they send me like videos of the children doing it. It's a lot of fun. And then like once a month, I'm doing a Zoom meeting with uh, with all the kids. So like uh, every teacher on the team calls the, his own students. And then we do a Zoom. Zoom is more limited. So it's more like about getting the parents all together and coming with the parents. So it's like, okay, now, mommy, daddy, we're going to do a handstand with the children. Each one hold one leg and then yeah. just put them up. And then we play for a few minutes just yeah. for, for the people to interact. Yeah. No, because I've been trying to run the classes like this. And, and my younger group, I've noticed that they miss a lot the interaction, the live interaction. And although we had some, but they grow, you know, like to do things. So I was actually thinking of doing this kind of stuff that you did there, where you, you create more, a little a video for them to, to have fun and to watch and to, and to engage on that. And that, that is, is really fascinating because that's, I think, you know, the quarantine is, is really a pain of not being able to stay, to go places and stuff. But it is the time to to start thinking of other ideas that can work, you know. I was, I was actually looking at, you know, when my kids were small, there were some TV programs that they loved. You know, they, they would just like, 
watch over and over again. And I was thinking like, wow, it wouldn't be great if you could do like a, a kid's capoeira program where kind of like just a story, you know, like what, what, is, what is the elements of those stories they have here for kids that work? Why does it work? And try to take these ideas. So it's, a, it's definitely a time to try to rethink your, your, your approach on, on you know, capoeira due to limitations that we have currently. And, and children, like children needs are universal. All children need the same thing. It doesn't matter if they're Brazilian, British, Japanese. Every child has the same needs. So also we, we do have the same needs. We have common needs as well. Adults. Yeah. Uh, and you see like the, the um, archetypical aspects of teaching are the same. So even though Capoeira is a Brazilian uh, cultural art, or you could say African-Brazilian cultural art, it speaks to everybody. Everybody can relate to capoeira. Uh, and we see that in Israel, there is uh, exactly what you said, a capoeira show for children. There's this guy called Cogumelo, and there's like the, the, um, there a monkey there, which is like the, a character, like, a, like Sesame Street, like a yeah, very yeah. famous character for children. Like they sell toys, they have cartoons, everything about this monkey thing. And the capoeira guy is a part of his uh, show. So the capoeira guy is also, during the, the, monkey's, the monkey's show, the capoeira guy comes in. And then he does a lot of games. It's Cogumelo. Uh, it's really professional. If you like, look it up, Cogumelo, Capoeira TV program Israel in YouTube, it's really professional. They, like, they put like drones and, and masks and professional clothes. On, on, yeah. And then they sing songs, choreographies. And the children freak out. You have like shows of this guy with hundreds of children who are not capoeira. They're not capoeiristas. Yeah. Just like random kids in the street, all doing the movements, all doing cartwheels, squatting, jinga, singing a song. That's the yeah. power of, of, uh, of uh, the technology, the technology of information. We are in yeah. a new era. We need to adapt ourselves. Exactly. And, and, and also think, uh, you know, I think sometimes we get too much thinking as in like within the Capoeira community. And I, what, I, what I, I like to think sometimes like, okay, how can I reach people who's beyond the Capoeira community? How can I make the Capoeira community bigger? And I think definitely that's the, that's the, the, the way to go on, on trying to throw different ideas try to reach out the, the the bigger the bigger public and i wanted to ask you as well I, i've seen that you have been doing now for quite some time you've been doing your capoeira in the street for the the, the people who live on the street how is that experience growing the project oh, uh, uh, homelessness in, in rio it's huge it's mm. been growing since like if you remember when we were children uh, there were a lot of children in the street. They were like street kids. You didn't see so many adults. You saw a lot of children in the street. Nowadays, these kids are not so much in the street anymore. They are being imprisoned. A lot of children are being imprisoned. I also work in, in a prison for kids. Like, they don't call it prison. Yeah, it's like an institution for rehabilitation. Children who uh, are in conflict with the law. Uh, according to their standards. 
And so you see like the, the kids are, a lot of them are drug dealing or, or even imprisoned. Well, the homeless uh, audience nowadays, it's basically made of adults, people who uh, had drug abuse problems, people who had problems with the families, people who have psychological or psychiatric problems, and usually a mixture of all these aspects. And uh, many organizations um, noticing that there were hundreds of people in the street walking all around, it started to make um, campaigns and um, recurrent campaigns. And there is this one which serves, has been serving breakfast for, for the guys for 13 years. And then they invited me at some point. There was, before me, there was yoga. They started with yoga. So there was a breakfast and then yoga. And then they invited me for capoeira. So there was breakfast, yoga, capoeira. And nowadays there's like, there's a few of the days there is in the early morning, there is not only black breakfast, but also, how they call it, Reiki. And um, there's another spiritual practice. And then they go to capoeira and then they have yoga and then there is lunch. And then they go to a house which um, allows them to have a shower. So they have a shower, brush their teeth, have their hair cut. And then there is um, psychological help or, or taking documents, also official helps for taking documents and stuff. And it's a lot of challenges. There is a lot of challenges. There is a big way to go. But we, we're seeing um, results, like good results. It's, uh, it's demanding because we, we sometimes we think about like social projects as people who are going to be very grateful and very open to everything that you're going to bring. Yeah. No, it's not that. It's just people. Yeah. People, they, they look at you sometimes as if they're clients and you're going to give the yeah. best service and they yeah. complain and they, and they leave at any moment uh, <laughs> when they're pissed yeah. off. And sometimes it don't turn up. Now I'm tired for the class. Bye. And they leave yeah. you. Uh, so it's not easy, but it's very rewarding. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not the teacher myself. I have my class. Uh, I'm, I'm in the second level. So like the first level, it's like my students and the people who engage in the project, the volunteers who engage in the project. And they teach three times a week. And uh, it was going to be four times, but now with the quarantine, it's, it's over. And after the, 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 the people engage with them in the class, in the capoeira, I only visit the, the, those specific places. I feel so they know me, oh, it's the mastery, blah, 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 but they actually do classes with uh, regular folks. Like my students who teach there are regular folks. I'm, I'm talking about people who've been training capoeira for one month, two months, six months, one year, and then there are also advanced ones, teachers and so on. But some of the teachers are like very, very, very beginners in capoeira. They're just offering themselves to go and give some visibility. It's about visibility. It's about social interaction. But those people are invisible. Like the world doesn't see them. People yeah. go through 
they're here and people go through like that not yeah. looking at them and then they're here and people st still play around where are they i can't see them uh so if you, people who are watching me right now if you want to start a project like that you don't need to be senior in capoeira you don't need to be a teacher you don't need to have a a, a belt it's about wanting to connect take up take some instruments go to the street and start and then yeah. my level like I, I work in the second level when these guys start to uh relate to capoeira link with capoeira my students tell them go train with us come train with us and then they come to my class which is a, a capoeira normal regular capoeira class but then they start interacting with people who are not homeless with people from the regular society who just treat them like any other student so in a way it uh it uh, reproduces the environment that i told you that took me to capoeira where yeah. of acceptance of diversity yes. the connectivity of it as well exactly so people yeah. like my my students who pay for the class they they really like being connected with the homeless guys who are training yeah. with us normally and sometimes the homeless guys are better in capoeira because like they uh, most of my top students you know the, the homeless students didn't start capoeira with me actually none of them none of them started from scratch they all had some background yeah, uh, one of them one of them is like really good capoeirista from the northeast uh like not famous but good like does all the movements all the acrobatics and all the, the, the crazy things uh another guy learned from his brother another guy knows how to play instruments and sing but when they come to tra training with us they start living an, uh, like a normal life again so i had uh, at this moment i have one student who left the street because he connected with us connected with capoeira and he's like man i can't go back it's like it's, it's not for me I, I i didn't use it he left for two years and uh, this guy's like really smart and he said i had a living i had a life i had a job what the hell am i doing in the street and we know why what he's doing in the street it's drugs with family yeah. problems and with uh, psychological problems, all that but he now with the help of the capoeira community he left the street and he's living in a yeah. has like his own house now and working yeah. and so on so we do have we do have results it's a one day at a time yeah one day at a time one battle at a time oh really really nice a really nice story and i you know i think that there are so many unique and beautiful stories through capoeira you know that is so important we keep reinforcing uh, just telling them you know because within within the the group you know that we started i mean i'm still part you were a part uh, there are so many amazing stories of people who who you know made their life with capoeira and so on but i i also think that it does not mean that when you're teaching some kind of community-based social work with capoeira it doesn't necessarily mean that the kid is going to become a capoeirista but it's it's just giving some quality time for the kid to to express himself to have a a, a connection to the outside world when they are you know if, if they live um I, i i used to teach back in Falete, you know and at the same time i got 
in the in the in the project that was in the Cantagalo, and I used to take the kids from Falete to the Cantagalo, and for them it was like, wow, we're going we're going to another place, you know. So that you know, because we live outside, we don't see this so much. But when you are sometimes in the in the ghetto or in in a, in a favela, that becomes your every like you don't really go out of that, you know. So I think this is the 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 beauty of of capoeira as as a as a way for the kids to connect, to learn through other people and see other people. This is this is really amazing, really amazing. But uh, man, thank you very much for your time. I know that you are. You, you, I don't know. <laughs> you, you're a busy, busy man. How are you spending your time now in the in the in the quarantine between classes? Man, been busy. It's like I, I don't see any boring day in my life i've been working since the quarantine started i've been 45 days in quarantine i was 15 days in israel uh, when i arrived in israel they started the quarantine there i had 15 days and i stayed 15 days in quarantine and then uh, i needed to come back they canceled my flight to, to brazil i needed to buy another ticket i almost didn't uh didn't manage to come back to my country and then when I arrived in Brazil, they started quarantine over here. So I've been quarantined for 45 days already. And I've been so productive. Pedro, I wake up at seven o'clock in the morning. I do loads of stuff. I make videos, I write, I read, I cook, I clean my house, I work out, I stretch, I give classes, online classes, um, interviews, lives. It's been crazy. Uh, it's one of the craziest times in terms of productivity uh, are, are now. So it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's amazing uh, how productive and what an opportunity we have if, you, if we have the, the basics already settled. Like I have enough food in my house. I, I don't have a problem with the rent. Uh, I like my bills. I paid, I have enough money to stay like that for another few months. Like I'm spending very little, only on food, I'm spending nothing else. It's like food and uh, cleaning products only. And I'm making no money. <laughs> There's like no money coming in for, which already also takes a lot of the stress out. Because as I'm making no money, there's no stress about money. I'm like, okay, happy days, let's yeah. leave. And also, um, talking about that, uh, if I can, let me take a couple of papers here just to talk to people for a second. Just a second, Pedro. Sure. I can't find it, but I have a, a, an online course which is oh, open. Yeah, no. Any right link from you, have, you, you give it to me, and I will post. I will post uh, any link that you okay. have. Send it to me, and I will post uh, on whatever this comes out. Okay. So, like, I'll do that. So there's it. An online yeah, it's an online course uh, for people who want to teach children. It's all in Portuguese. Sorry, uh, yeah. but uh, if you if guys speak Portuguese. They can translate to other guys. It's free. It's 28 weeks. 
course uh, with videos, with tests, with texts, and people can use the quarantine to improve themselves uh, during this time. For sure. Okay. And okay. I hope to see you guys in England. Um, I was going to go there in, in June, July. I was going to be yeah. there in Manchester, but it's not happening this time. So I hope the next Were you going to go to anywhere else in Europe or you were coming just for the Manchester? I'll cancel. Oh. I was going to go to many places. Was Hungary, Portugal, England, Germany, Lowe, I, I, Switzerland. Yeah. It's, uh, for me, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't like... I don't dwell on I don't think too much about it. But this time I would be busy every weekend for a month and a half. You know, and that's the 20 year anniversary that I arrived in the UK. Uh, so I was thinking, oh, I'm going to do so many things. And okay, so like now I can still do so many things, but in a different way because you have to re reimagine, uh, replan your year because of this. Uh, unfortunate event of the quarantine yeah, my it. message is like guys keep positive and oh, yeah. make something out of it make yes. something out of it like That's be productive exactly. read write learn study train oh, yeah. i can train every day because of this and i don't have to train every day now yeah yeah for sure my man thank you very much and uh yeah i appreciate a lot of your time Valeu. thank you pedrinho Hi there guys, I hope you enjoyed the interview. Let me know your thoughts on the comment section. Don't forget to like and to subscribe to the channel. Thank you, I share. So that was it guys. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Mestre Ferradura. And uh, just before you go, I want to give you a quick update on the Capoeira Solidaria project. Uh, as you might know, the album of the project has been out now for a, a couple of weeks. We managed to sell about 23 copies so far. And uh, if you'd like to get one, you just go straight to the link on Hotmart. And there you can buy the, get a, a download for 10 pounds, 10 euros or 10 dollars. But if you'd like to make a bigger donation to the project, you can go to our GoFundMe page and there you will, you know, as soon as you make the donation, any donation there of 10 pounds or more will automatically, you know, give you an album. So just make sure that you, once you made a donation, that you get in touch with me, either via email at pedro at senzala.co.uk or just send me a message on Instagram and uh, I'm at Mestre Pedro Senzala. And uh, yeah, if you'd like to become a, an ambassador of the project, you know, if you had, look, had a look already on a sensala.co.uk, on a Capoeira Solidaria project part, where we describe everything of the project so far, how we spend the money, and uh, you, you have some ideas, you'd like to help us keep uh, uh, growing this, this uh, initiative, do get in touch, yeah? Again, on the same way, just, just send an email, pedro at sensal.co.uk or Instagram. And uh, we need now is, is to make new connections, you know, and turn, uh, try to do the most we can with what we have, guys. But that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget to share with your friends and subscribe to the channel. I share.